This episode is brought to you by our friends at Unibuddy. Unibuddy is a student engagement platform that helps higher education recruitment, marketing, and admissions professionals attract, engage, and convert prospective students. Unibuddy helps students make one of the most important purchasing decisions of their entire life, and that decision is where to go to college. One of the ways they do this is by giving prospects real-time access to real people at your university. Here's how it works. A prospective student named Sam stumbles upon your school's business major website page, and he starts reading about your program offering. After a few seconds, a warm pop-up form invites Sam to chat with student ambassador Dan, who, you guessed it, is currently studying business at your university. After some quick niceties, Sam admits he's been looking at your school for some time now, but has yet to submit a formal inquiry or start an application. He's been to a couple of virtual recruitment events, but it's been hard to get a real feel for what life as a student, especially during these times, is actually like. Dan talks about his love of the entrepreneurship course he's taking, how challenging but rewarding Accounting 101 is, and how impressed he's been with your school's response to the challenges that COVID has thrown everyone's way. After 15 minutes of chatting with Dan, Sam books a chat with one of your admissions counselors for next week, and then he goes on to create an application account. This experience is so much more powerful than a static chat window or a scripted chatbot. Unibuddy empowers people to make better decisions through shared human experience. Oh, and by the way, this peer-to-peer engagement platform, it's just one of Unibuddy's product offerings. Wait until you see their virtual events platform. It's totally game-changing. Don't get stuck in a prospective student's college shopping cart. Make the experience of accessing personalized peer-to-peer feedback as frictionless as possible. To learn more about Unibuddy and access a plethora of free resources to help you navigate student recruitment this year, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Unibuddy, and we'll ping you directly to Unibuddy's learning hub. But we know that not each program can be its own brand. It can't even be its own self-brand unless you have massive amounts of financial and human resources you can put behind it. So... And then the other issue is, you know, we are called upon to do the fourth P of marketing, which hopefully everybody's familiar with the four P's, which is promotion. But really, this is about the product. Uh, Our programs are our products. So how do we... Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Zach here, and today I am sitting down with Ken Sagepal, who is from the Rochester Institute of Technology. How are you doing today, Ken? I'm great. It's sunny and warm outside, and I am loving it. How are you, Zach? Good, good. I, I don't even think I, I haven't told you this. Uh, we just started recording, but um, I'm, I am I don't know how far I am from you, but I'm actually in Ghent, New York right now. How far? How far is that from Rochester, do you know? You have any idea? I think I we're. I think no I'm like idea. south south of Albany, like by like forty minutes or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I am about three hours from Albany, I believe. Okay, so pretty far. Okay, you know, a, a little closer than DC, which is where where I where I normally am. Yeah. So, 
Um, well, hey, I first and foremost, thanks so much for for connecting. It's been fun following you on Twitter and getting to uh, learn a little bit about you and how you think through your tweets. So I've appreciated that. Um, but really excited for for our conversation today. And in order to kind of kick things off and uh, just just start the party here, I have a I have a question for you that um, I like to ask folks who have been in the game for a little bit um, that have seen sort of marketing kind of grow and change and evolve over a period of time. So the the question I have for you is, can you remember the very first time that you were that you were marketed to? Like what was the product or service? And, and what was the brand behind that product and service? And if you can't remember the very first time, you know, uh, what, what, what's, what's a product or service from a brand that you do remember kind of early on recognizing, you know what, I, I think I'm being marketed to. <laughs> yeah, I, well, this was a long time ago, obviously. And it was when I was in India because that's where I was born and raised. So one of the brands I remember very clearly because they were advertising everywhere was Pepsi. Okay. Um, they were sponsoring any and all events. They had billboards. They were on television. And their strategy was really using famous people as their spokespeople and having them endorse the product. Hmm. And I was like, I wonder if so-and-so celebrity really drinks Pepsi all the time. And <laughs> so that was my little bit of curiosity, but also like, I felt like, okay, something's amiss here because I'm pretty sure that's not all he drinks. And so you don't, you don't look like that if <laughs> All you do is drink Pepsi. <laughs> right? Absolutely. It wasn't even Diet Pepsi. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, I don't even like know. Pepsi Zero Pepsi. or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I definitely was like, oh, if he's drinking it, maybe I should try it too. Because at the time, there was such a fan following for famous people. I think there still is, but I think people see through that a little bit more now. Yeah. But at the time, it was like, oh, yeah, if he's driving this, it must be good. It must be a good car kind of an idea. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I feel like oftentimes we talk about influencer marketing as if it's like this still like relatively new thing. And I'm always like, no, influencer marketing has been around for freaking ever. Like, do you remember like, you know, every TV show, like I remember growing up, any commercial, right? Like they'd have a celebrity promoting Pepsi or promoting, you know, Toyota, whatever, whatever the brand was. This idea of, of influencer marketing isn't new. It's just that now, like it's, it seems like everyone believes that they can be an influencer or it's been like right. democratized a little bit to, to the average Joe. But, um, but yeah, that's funny. That's, uh, that, that's the a good, good one. The good thing now is, they actually have to specify, at least on social media, that it's a paid partnership. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm glad that they do that and there's some rules around it because otherwise it's like, okay, you know, Brad Pitt, he loves this and that's all he drinks, but until until you read the, the fine line or fine print. My, my favorite is every once in a while, uh, <laughs> there's still like an influencer that I'll see like on Instagram or something where they'll say the name of the product wrong, 
right? Like, it, yeah. it, and these are like the big, these are the ones with like a massive following. And it's like, they just, they probably just get free stuff constantly. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just always funny to me, like a- athletic greens was doing this whole like promo for, I, it felt like everybody like on Instagram who was like, had more than like a thousand followers was like promoting athletic greens during this, during this period of time. And anyways, there was an influencer that promoted uh, athletic greens and I started following them. And then I watched uh, a few of their other ads over, uh, you know, promos over a period of time. And I, I just watched them like totally botch like the name of like some like lotion brand or something like that. And anyways, it was just it was just funny seeing like, you know, first and foremost, how how much especially like D2C brands have come to like rely on influencers. But then also mm-hmm. just how, you know, you got you to gotta be really clear and direct with these people because they could be hurting your brand more than they're actually helping it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you have to select them carefully and you have to make sure they understand your product or service. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not as easy as it seems. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, getting us a little bit back on track here. I'm sorry for that <laughs> tangent, but great, great example with Pepsi there. So you are the Associate Vice President of University Marketing Strategy and Creative Services at RIT, which for those who might not be familiar is the Rochester Institute of Technology. So that's such a cool, like epic title. Um, and <laughs> I, like, I, I'm one of those people. It's a that, <laughs> it is, it is a mouthful. I'm one of those people where it's like, I don't, I don't care a lot about my personal title but i but i really i really appreciate people's titles and like i really like understanding like the why behind the particular words that were selected for that title and i feel like over the last like decade in in particular we've gotten a lot more creative especially in marketing with like how we position ourselves and like the roles that we uh that we have of of people on our team so uh, in, in order to help us kind of better understand what that actually means and, 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 you know, what, what your roles and responsibilities actually are. I thought it would be fun if you like pulled up your calendar and just like, you know, whether it's earlier this week or last week, just like start like rattling off the different like things that were on your agenda that were on your calendar to help us get a better sense of what you actually do all day. Okay. That's fun and interesting. Well, the next, few days or weeks I will be on vacation so there's a giant block of time that is empty which is awesome wonderful so I will go back in time a little bit and let's see things I will call out here well obviously a lot of meetings but with the type of meetings I guess they're working on our next flight of our reputation campaign. Um, we are working on organizational assessment. So I had a meeting about that and kind of seeing how the report is coming along. I blocked some time to do some AMA proposal review. So I'm on the AMA committee, uh, the symposium committee, and I'm reviewing some proposals to be selected for that. Um, some one-on-ones with with people that I like to stay in touch with, not necessarily on my team, but people that, you know, we have global campuses, so I meet with them on Zoom, of course, once uh, every so, once a quarter, etc. And just projects um, and just meet, pre-meeting to meeting and meeting and post-meeting after that meeting. 
meeting with the enrollment management counterparts um, and strategizing our weekly a weekly agenda for what we are seeing in terms of numbers, etc. So I don't know how it it's long, Zach. A lot, I no, mean, it's a lot of meetings. like eight meetings a day on an average. Wow. So I could go on, but do you yeah, have? Do you have? You don't want to know that. No, no, no. This is this is great. Um, do you have like a uh, like a pregame like meeting like? you know, like, uh, like mantra that you say to yourself or like, like, do you have any, I, I'm always impressed because I'm, I'm in a fair number of meetings in a week, but most of like my meetings are really like conversations like this, right? Like I'm sitting down and I get to talk to somebody for an hour. So it's a, it's an interview, it's a meeting and it certainly requires, you know, focus and, and it requires you to be on, but it's very different than like discussing a project, right. Or, or talk mm-hmm. or, or, you know, a one-on-one with a team member. So I'm always curious for people that are in leadership that have so many meetings in a given week, like what, how do you, how do you, how do you do it? And then also still like do your work or like, how do you, how do you approach the meeting so that like you're ensuring that that meeting was, was successful? Like it, that it, that it did the job that it was, that it was supposed to do. Do you have any like, you know, tricks up your sleeve that you could share with us? (laughs) I don't know that I have anything new to contribute here. I do know that I have started saying no to meetings that really don't fit the core of my priority list and perhaps maybe down the list of things that I should know about or I may want to know about, but I don't have to know about. I'm also trying to work through the meeting duration. So a lot of my one hour meetings, I'm like, these could really be done in lesser time. Yeah. If yeah. we get efficient with that. Um, so either those are 30 minutes or 45 minutes, what have you. Um, and then, you know, it's just making sure people understand that and don't come to expect you to be responsive immediately. And if they want immediate answers for things that they know how to reach me. So if I am in too many meetings and at the same time, you know, I have some things to get to, I'll make sure I've communicated that or canceled or moved some some of my meetings. So, and then preparation where possible, you know, if I'm leading a meeting, I'm definitely going to be more prepared for what I want the outcome and state that at the at the beginning of it and if I'm part participating um I want I will just make sure I understand why just, you're there <laughs> yeah what what are they hoping to get out of me so I don't overstep or I'm not you know passive either so yeah uh, I don't know if there's any tricks here that perhaps other people don't already use. It's just taking day to day, but definitely no two days are the same. So I can say that, which is what makes it fun for me. I actually enjoy that. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. 
Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I love that last bit of, of thought there too on like determining what is what is your role in the meeting and how do you ensure that you are contributing enough so that your why you're there makes sense, right? But then, but then you're not overstepping. And I think that that striking that balance is so, so difficult. Like, I feel like most of us fall into like one extreme of the, you know, or the other. It's like, we're either totally passive and we were thinking, why am I in this meeting? Why am I like, this is such a waste of my time. And not to say that like, we, we don't have thoughts or don't have things that we could contribute, but it's just, it's, it's too much effort. Right. Um, or we're on the other opposite end of the spectrum, which is we overshare, we, we overstep and we end up derailing the purpose of the meeting because of the thing that we think is most important and, or is, is, is the biggest issue. So, I, I do think figuring out strategically, even if it's just asking yourself the question before you go into the meeting, like, okay, what is it that I'm going to bring to this meeting so that my time, my presence here w- was worth it? And how am I going to hold myself back? Or, or what are the things that I'm going to do to ensure that I'm not derailing things and or and or contributing appropriately? So I'd for me, anyways, and giving my energy for yeah. things that matter, you yeah. know, I mean, this, this is a lot of drain on you physically, mentally, emotionally to pivot from topic to topic, meeting to meeting. And so I, you know, there's only so much reserves you have that you can expend in a day. So where is that reserve going to be most valuable? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I, I like that. Well, hey, I, I'm going to take that with me. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, but and while we could probably talk about this and so many things all day, uh, <laughs> the reason I really wanted to to get you on on the show is you all recently launched a package of, of new programs that you guys, uh, you and the team refer to as the, the new economy majors. And when we were chatting a couple weeks ago, preparing for this chat, um, I was so I was so impressed by this, and um, I, I was hoping to to just kind of kick things off that you could kind of walk us through what these majors are, and a little bit about the decision making process behind why to launch this this collection of of new programs that that you and the leadership team um, decided was important and timely. Can you just give us a little bit of the backstory around the new economy majors, and then I have a, a lot of questions on. Um, on them specifically and how you guys are thinking about promoting them. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that opportunity. So this may not be new to people, but, you know, when you work with uh, anybody responsible for different programs, either program chairs or their marketing person or the department head or the college dean or whoever, you know, they... Oftentimes when you meet with them, you know, they really want your marketing help to get the word out about said program. Things they say typically are like, and this is not even limited to RIT. I feel like I've been around higher education enough to hear it from multiple people in multiple ways. 
you know, it's like, oh, we are so unique. Our program is so unique. We just need to market it. Or once students find out about us, they love us. Or, you know, we are the best kept secret in higher education. Can you just help, you know, share the secret out with the world? But we know that not each program can be its own brand. It can't even be its own self-brand unless you have massive amounts of financial and human resources you can put behind it so and then the other issue is you know we are called upon to do the fourth p of marketing which hopefully everybody's familiar with the four p's which is promotion but really this is about the product uh, our programs are our products so how do we get a better sense of um, what the product is is it a viable product and is there demand for it? Is there interest for it? Um, we can market and put all this money behind it if we had it uh, with that caveat. But, you know, if there's no response to it. So we really came together and really, you know, the no offense to really anybody who wants just what's best for the program. So, so how, do we, how do we come together and solve this problem? And working with enrollment management and the academic affairs area, especially the provost, we, we thought about a fifth P, which again, isn't new for uh, marketers, although we don't talk about it as often, which is packaging. So we have a set of programs already and and they have a few things in common, but the issue is they are all in different colleges, so people are not talking to each other and whatnot. So we are coming together, bringing these groups together, bringing these programs together, and creating a packaging strategy around it. Hmm. So that's what New Economy Majors is, is taking a set of existing programs, so we did not develop new programs from ground up. It's taking a set of existing programs and, cre and creating a packaging strategy for it. And I'm happy to talk about how we got to that uh, got to that name and that place and how we selected the programs. But that, in, in essence, is the, the concept behind New Economy Majors. I think this is brilliant, by the way. And I love, I love the the fifth P it's not something that I, I feel like the fifth P could be, could be higher ed's like favorite P because, <laughs> because it, it's sort of like this. I mean, it's, it's an incredible amount of work for sure. Right. But like, it's like, Hey, we're not, we're not trying to build something from the ground up. Everyone knows how difficult it is to launch new programs and new majors, but we're, and, and we're not trying to just, you know, dust off a program and, and call it something different. Right. It's, no, let's let's reimagine how we might group things together so that prospective students or whatever the target audience is might actually look at it really differently, right? And and right. might actually might actually like you know consider it when previously they wouldn't have looked in looked at this major because it existed in the college of so and so or the the school of you know what's it called and the, and and that school or that college they didn't you know particularly identify with right for for whatever mm -hmm. reason. So bringing mm -hmm. it out on its own and and packaging it um, within the context of this new collection is is brilliant. Um, 
I, I want you to unpack each. I want you to unpack, you know, how you guys arrived at this decision in a little bit more detail. Um, and but but first, if you don't mind, I want to read the uh, the positioning statement you guys have on your on like the landing page or the website page that talks about new economy majors. And I just want to read like one quote verbatim because I thought it was so well said. This is obviously like position. It's it's obviously uh, crafted for the prospect. But, but what you all say is, uh, and I quote, we understand what you want, a career where you won't be pigeonholed or be narrowly defined. You want the freedom to play, to experiment, to explore. You want to think big and push boundaries. New economy majors will help you accomplish these goals and more. Immediately, you're, you're resonating with the prospect. You're, you're, you're addressing their pain points, um, and you're introducing them to a concept and, and a way of thinking about school uh, that is that is just so different. So, anyways, uh, super super well. Whoever whoever crafted that, I I want to give a high five to because uh, it was it's so well said. But can you walk us through you know how you all decided to develop this this package? And I understand that there are sort of like three major pillars involved. Could you walk us through those major pillars? Yeah. First of all. Zach, can you be our voice talent for this positioning? Because the way you narrated that was just, just on point. So <laughs> that was very well said. I mean, I know the words are great, but you just breathe so much more life into it. Anytime, okay, Kane, so... anytime. <laughs> so I might take a, a cut of this recording for that. Um, so, yeah. So to answer your question about pillars, we really wanted to make sure that the programs we selected were we could have both quantifiable and quality attributes to discern how and which programs fit within this category. Um, so the main things that we were looking at were, are these programs mission critical? Hmm. Right. So, I mean, not that other programs are not, but, you know, there are some programs that are there to kind of create that well-rounded individual. And there are some programs that are just core to a university's mission. Right. And and so the idea was to make sure that are these programs hitting the sweet spot of RIT's brand, which is, you know, multidisciplinary intersecting at technology, the arts and design, which is a brand sweet spot, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So that's that's one way of assessing. The other is, does it build upon our legacy of, of outcomes? Uh, we talk about RIT always on to being something amazing, new, relevant, and Historically, and even now, RIT's outcomes rate have been extremely high, and we have confidence because our knowledge rate from people who graduate is also high, so it's not that we're taking a small percentage of people who respond about employment and then inflate that outcome yeah. rate number. And then future-focused, uh, we, we pride ourselves in being kind of a step ahead. And that's why our campaign and our brand um, creative expression is always on to something. So are these programs 
identified in secondary research, in World Economic Forum's reports and Bureau of Labor Statistics as these are the careers of the future, these are the skills of the future that we need, etc. So really looking at it from these angles, but also going to the quantifiable metrics, what we, what we found was, and this is not really, these are not really pillars, but more an assessment of what fits within the category is, you know, yeah, these programs don't get enough attention, but do they deserve that type of attention? Hmm. Well, let's do that analysis. Yes, they do. Why? One, there's a high internal transfer rate. So that goes to show once students learn about these programs or when they come on campus and they say, they hear, oh, my friend, Johnny or Susie or whatever is in this program, that's what I wanted to study. I didn't know about it. Mm. And they transfer. So most of these programs have internal transfer. We know they love it once they hear about it. The other was outcomes rate, we know the employers really want it. We, the biggest problem the graduates of these programs have is not whether or not I'll get a job, it's which job offer do I accept because mm. they have so many. <laughs> um, I mean, imagine being a, a senior in college with three or four job offers in hand, right? And then the the last one is is really just about making sure that um, the yield on these programs is also is also really good. So, for instance, again, you know, if if we've taken the time to explain to these students and families what these programs are, and they have applied and they have deposited, that's when you know uh, that, yes, these are viable. So these are all quantifiable metrics that we use. So we had a threshold for yield. We had to meet a minimum threshold for yield. We had a threshold for outcome rate, and we had a threshold for internal transfer rate. And then the other most softer metrics, if you will, were mission aligned, brand centric, and future focused. So combining all of these together is how we arrived at the, the 12, um, 12 new economy majors. Can you, uh, that was, that was amazing. Thanks for, thanks for outlining all of that. Can you just rattle off like two or three of like, of the majors, just, just so we have a sense for what kind of, what kind of majors are we talking about here? I, I have an idea and I'm, I'm sure our audience does as well, but like, what are, what are, you know, two or three of the, of the actual majors? Yeah. So motion picture science, imaging science, mm, robotics and manufacturing engineering. Let's see. I don't know if that helps. I can, I can, there's digital humanities. Ooh. So part of, part of these things were, part of the issues were, these are, these are programs that students don't learn about in high school, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Counselors yeah. are not talking about it. Parents are not are like, what do you want to study again? Like, you know, and things like that. And and so it's part of the hurdle was just them not being exposed 
to future programs or future focus programs that are going to be in demand because we are so used to people selecting some of the traditional routes that you know, okay, are you going to go into medical? Are you going to go into engineering? Are you going to go into, um, you know, the arts, etc. So that's really the, the extent of some people's knowledge. And we wanted to kind of expand that knowledge and help them understand there's a lot more here that will not, that will appeal to your interest and also make sure that you're having fun while doing it and also make sure you're gainfully employed. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. And I, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, digital humanities and, uh, and social sciences too, because I think that sometimes like when, uh, obviously it's, it seems like most of these programs are, are STEM are STEM programs and, and majors, which is which makes a lot of sense. But uh, it, it's cool to see that it's not exclusively that, right? Like it's, it's broader than just STEM programs, which I think is what... Um, whenever folks get talk about sort of the new economy that that's sort of the default and i think that like the way that you guys have packaged this in conjunction with other programs helps communicate to prospects that hey you can still be a part of the new economy you can still be prepared for the new economy even if you don't want to study engineering right so i i I love how you guys included uh, additional programs there as well yeah i mean these are really programs that are in all of our colleges so they're not just in an engineering school a couple of these are in a college of art and design a couple of these are in the college of liberal arts a couple of these are in health so yeah they're they range the gamut in terms of like the broader field of study that it's not so narrow that it, yeah it's all just stem and how did you guys arrive at, at the the quantity of majors that you would include? Because I would imagine, right, if, if I was a faculty <laughs> member um, and, and or even like someone on your uh, your admissions team and I'm seeing which majors are being included and which ones aren't, I feel like there could be like a little bit of like, I don't know, like jealousy or like, why, why weren't we? Why wasn't this program considered to be a new <laughs> economy major, right? Like, what are we doing wrong? They, they don't think we're relevant. So how, how did you guys sort of like arrive at the at the quantity of majors? And is there is there any like plan to sort of like expand that over over the next couple of years here? Or or um, I guess what is the capacity of of new economy majors? Yeah, and that's why we had a very rigorous assessment process of what fits in this category. You know, the thresholds that I talked about, the quantifiable metrics that I talked about, and also the the fact that, you know, it elevates RIT's core essence and mission, etc. But yeah, the, the biggest problem that we face, which is a good problem to have, is people coming to us and asking, well, could this program be an economy major? And, yeah. and and so so that's you know that showed that they they had interest in it that they they cared enough about it that they saw that this had potential. And what we said at the time and we continue to say it like this is this is a pilot or a beta approach. This list is not set in stone. Um, this is for us to have a starting point so that once we launch the marketing plan and related admissions efforts, yeah. we can measure the success and understand really, you know, that this is an idea that is going to work. 
before we just make this into something that everybody latches on to. Yeah, yeah. So we have to kind of test that for ourselves. And and the number 12 was a little arbitrary, I will say that, but it want, we wanted it to be enough to make it a package, right? You can't have a package of just two things. But at the same time, we didn't want to lose um, individual programs in that set either, because then if it's endlessly expandable, it kind of becomes all your programs. Yeah. And then the idea of packaging and positioning is lost because then you're trying to be everything to everybody yeah. kind of idea. Right? So so that's, um, and we have 11 colleges, not that we were trying to pick one from every college. In fact, I don't think we have one from every college, but it just felt like a manageable number. And then we wanted an even number because it's stacked very nicely on our website. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the least of our concerns. I sure, will say that sure. that is not even a, an issue. Yeah. Oh no, that's uh, that's wonderful. I appreciate you outlining all of this for us. So, I, I'm curious how how have you all started? I know this is this is still relatively new, but like how have you all started promoting new economy majors? And like, what is what is the marketing of these of of this collection looked like? And um, what what if anything have you learned thus far about how the promotion and and the the packaging of of these new majors has gone yeah absolutely so you know with any marketing campaign or planning i think we we try to always think integrated marcom method right we are not going to just deploy just marketing or just communications we are trying to try and see if we can hit all of our peso channels, uh, paid, or shared, and owned. So first and foremost, we had to have a web page designated to this effort, and so people understood what this was. By the way, we knew people would understand if they took the time for it because we tested the name with associated creative with prospective students and families hmm. before launching it. So that was another... There was another data point used as we worked with our friends uh, in different areas and different colleges um, that the name was not up for debate. Not that we said that, but it was more about just saying like, hey, we've done our due diligence even on what we should be calling it. And the name is actually a lift from the World Economic Forum's Future of Jobs report where they talk about what the post-pandemic or the new economy needs yeah and so it is it so that's where we we borrowed that term and it felt very fitting for what we're trying to do here well anyway sorry sorry just just, just a quick note on that ken i was as you're you talking i was verifying this when we were talking a couple weeks ago i was googling as we were talking and i wanted to verify this again but you all are also like RIT's ranking number one for like majors for the new economy and new economy majors and what should I major in for jobs in the new economy and like the you know these the monthly search volume on these terms is still like relatively small but it's growing quickly month over month so it's yeah it's a brilliant move it is just such a, so sorry I just wanted to call out the the name <laughs> in and of itself is just a brilliant name but go go on go on Thank you. Yeah, so there was a lot of SEO work done behind the scenes. Now that you met, since you mentioned that, um, just to make sure that you know, if people are not even searching for that, that they get to that idea of future-focused majors and new economy majors. And you really, this is now a trademark term mm. even for us. So 
we wanted we wanted to own this uh, for sure. But um, yeah, so we did a press release that got picked up in mainly higher ed trade pubs uh, like University Business. It was the lead story there. Um, but we really wanted to use our own accounts and old medias, make sure that we were optimizing all the avenues we had at our disposal. So whether it's the, uh, the program pages, all of these 12 programs say in the beginning that this is a new economy major, and then you can click on that uh, hyperlink there and it will tell you what that is. And then college pages, our own social media, et cetera. And when we were launching a reputation campaign, we like to use, um, we just don't talk about ourselves, right? We want to be able to show stories and be able to say, okay, here's the proof in what we are saying. And by the way, you, we want you to reach that conclusion yourself mm. and connect the dots. So putting new economy majors as, as one of, the content ideas for advertising campaign kind of help people connect the dots between RIT really being this university that's on the move. We didn't want to say we are the university on the move. We wanted to show it. And then admissions materials, uh, open houses, webinars, uh, president's um, report. I mean, there was really, we were firing on all cylinders because there was just an institutional buy-in to this idea because we knew not only would it help lift the individual majors, it would actually elevate our brand overall because now RIT is being regarded and we actually have our brand study that was in the field a few months ago we just got that report. It's hot of the press. And we kind of tested a few things around this idea of being, being future focused and prepared for the new economy, prepared for the emerging world, et cetera. And we tested those and we get a lot, lot of credit for that. And I think it's, it's, it's all due to this. So just understanding, talking about what we learned through this process it's the fact that, you know, you feel like you're working on just a select number of programs. I mean, we offer like 300 programs and we are working on just 12. But what it did for RIT reputation overall cannot be, on, you know, overstated here. So um, it's really just uh, something that I want to remind people that a brand is a sum of all of its parts and, you know, the products is really the essence of who we are. I mean, you know, sometimes it's price, sometimes it's place, you know, and the pandemic has shown us maybe place isn't as big of a, of a value prop as perhaps some of the other, uh, other P's are, but your programs are your products and your people, right? Your faculty. And so um, if you give them their deserved attention, it can not only do wonders for that particular area but it can do so much for the institutional institution overall yeah i mean this is this is just so it's just so smart ken and i i think why why i why i appreciate this a lot <clears throat> in particular excuse me is that there has been a lot of progress made in marketing getting a, ha a having more influence within the context of an institution you know, we, you and I know lots of folks like Terry Flannery and many others who have done a lot of work to, to help elevate the position of marketing and right, give marketing a seat at the leadership table. 
and and all that fun stuff. And and, and for many folks, it's uh, we're all, we're all trending in the right direction. But what I love about what you guys have done is this is like okay, if you if you can't have control today over all of your product offerings, right, and or if it's going to be too resource intensive to just spin up a lot of additional product in the next couple of years for whatever reason, what you all just did is is the answer, right? Like this this is like the third way. You, you, we talk about it as the, the fifth P and, and, and it's the third way. It's like mm-hmm. if you can't control product and or if the barrier to launching something new is just too grand for when mm-hmm. you need to show results or when you need to, to pivot or or re-express your brand, then this is this is this is the this is another way of doing it, right? And and still getting a lot of that same sort of momentum that you might get with launching something brand new, a lot of the same internal buy-in and excitement of, you know, you've got the president, and I'm sure even current students now saying, Oh, what are these new economy majors? Right? Like, and it's it's doing something publicly outside of the context of the institution, but also inspiring that same kind of energy or a similar energy on the inside in the same way that a, a new brand campaign or the launch of a brand new suite of program offerings might. So I just think that this is such a, a beautiful example of like higher ed marketing units really being creative and doing their job well. So I, I just want to commend you and you and the team for for this work because um, it's just it's just such a great example for how to take limited resources or, or a challenging situation or, um, you know, and, and really make it work for you and, and ultimately work for the institution. Thank you so much, Zach, for saying that. I mean, it is, in fact, just that it's it's, you know, if you don't have the resources to do something at every at an individual component level, can you be resourceful? And what does that resourcefulness look look like? And you know, this was this was successful not just for the numbers we saw and and those types of things, but really just breaking down silos and working across colleges because we know that students are not shopping for individual colleges, and that's our org structure. But that's really not how the buying decisions are made. And uh, so it, it's a great lesson. In, in kind of bringing related related offerings together despite where they sit. And we are doing something similar now, uh, a teaser there for gaming, gaming as well. Um, we have, you know, um, we have a lot of strengths in gaming area. We have our esports team is very, very popular and they've been, they win so many championships. Uh, we offer a game design program. We offer great game development program. We have a commercialization aspect to our games where they work with industry partners and they kind of launch games in the app store and things like that. There's just so much around it. And if we were to kind of promote each of those aspects individually, I can't even imagine how long that would take. But yeah, now yeah. we're putting this again, a wrapper around all things gaming at RIT. And we're working through that right now. And once we launch it, we'll see the results. But that will sh- just show the magnitude of what we do and the impact that we can have and and, and perhaps you know become one of the leading 
I mean, we already have ranked really well for some of our gaming academic programs. Perhaps we get the reputation and recognition for being one of the leading institutions for gaming, period. Whether it's to study gaming, whether it's to play, whether it's to do it for research, whether it's to commercialize it. So we're trying to do something around that too. But I, I would give kudos to my partners in crime and enrollment management and, and academic affairs that we've really triangulated this effort in such a such an important strategic thoughtful way that it just felt like okay these are the kind of meetings going back to meetings these are the kind of meetings <laughs> I want to be in and, and really yeah. really help think about how to advance RIT forward. Yeah ah uh, yeah this is this is wonderful. I it, it's also just a smart like it's just a really smart SEO play. Like I'm thinking, like as you're talking about gaming, right? It's like, all right, yes, you have individual program pages that might be ranking well for specific majors or programs within gaming. Um, but but what about the students, right? Like we, we say this all the time, like the the college search for students, it you know, it, it starts with Google, right? Like it mm-hmm. starts with search. Um, and so thinking about students that might just type in something as broad as like game major or majoring in gaming for college or whatever it is like if as you guys think about wrapping these additional programs under some you know additional brand like new economy major right the, the seo play there the search play is just brilliant in and of itself forget anything else like just the fact that you will have structured content in a way mm-hmm. that is already ranking well probably publishing some new content around that particular new term that's that's just a that's just such a smart like SEO move if if for nothing else. Um, yeah. So I yeah. love that. Yeah, and then making sure we're cross-linking that from all related gaming aspects, right? So all of these pages take you to this one-stop shop, and yeah, and the content is optimized, and yeah, yeah. I mean, this we yeah we really have put in a lot of work um, on SEO, but and it definitely is a part of our marketing plan is to really think about okay does it need its own SEO content article or you know what is what are those things that we need in order to look at you know what are we doing on SEM side but what are we doing on SEO side as well yeah yeah oh uh, yeah so Kent my my final question for you is. It's just around like, if you could do this over again, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or for somebody tuning in, right? That's like, oh my gosh, this is super helpful. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm gonna go blow up your DMs on Twitter after this. But like, for for somebody who is interested in doing something similar and is in a position where they they might actually be able to do something like this, what what advice would you give around what to be sure to do, and then what if anything, if you could go back, would you would you have done differently? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, making sure there are some quantifiable criteria. I think if this is going to be something that you do to bring related offers together, you kind of have to put some parameters around that because, you know, what fits in in that category and what doesn't. Um, the clearer that process is, the the lesser hurdles you have in terms of deciding what does and does not belong and where that might belong instead. 
I think that would be something to really consider and think about um, because I think doing that upfront really helped us to kind of say that, okay, here's what we are focusing on, but here's what we can do for some of the other things. So I think it, 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 it helps kind of have those conversations. It's also important to really just understand that that each program chair or each program rather, you know, they will look, they will want to see what's in it for them, right? And and that's okay because that's their goal and that's what they are trying to accomplish. They are not trying to bring down uh, this effort. They're just trying to say, well, you know, but my program is a little different because, and so kind of giving them tools to be able to showcase that differentiation. In fact, one of the next steps to take this category further is for us to have an individual program level strategy under this new economy majors umbrella. Uh, so each one knows what their pitch is because yeah. we know the new economy majors pitch, but each of the programs is still trying to figure out what their pitch is. I mean, they will still continue to talk about being future focused and multidisciplinary and high outcome rate, et cetera. But then what are the core components of that program that are different? Um, because we know like a packaging science major is very different from a microelectronic engineering major, but they both are new economy majors. So what is their pitch? And so working through that with them and helping them understand and that will be a part of that process. So yeah, those are some things that come to mind and, and just being very open to to changing. I mean, we thought we were going to actually launch with 10 or 14 and then we came with 12 and that's okay. I mean, it's it's not a hard and fast kind of like package deal kind of thing that you, this is yeah. what you get and that's it. And, and you know, we're not trying to, to do, to be extremely rigid either. It's a little bit of a pilot. So use it as a way to test the marketplace. You know, you don't have to get it right right out of the gate. You can you can launch it and see how the marketplace is reacting to it. In fact, we did some A-B testing with the new economy majors messaging uh, when we launched our advertising campaign. And we kind of tweaked and finessed our messaging based on that. So, you know, some of the things that... I hope that we are already always doing like testing and, and bringing people together and being flexible and being being data driven, et cetera. So I don't know uh, if that's helpful, but yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, and I this is this has been wonderful, Ken. And I think that again, you guys have done such a great job. I think this is a this is a model that many are many can and, and should replicate in their respective contexts. Um, and yeah, just wanna just wanna commend you uh, and and the team for for all the all the great hard work here. For folks who uh, wanna get in touch and uh, ask you some follow up questions and or just connect with you, what's the what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, they can either drop me an email and they can find me in the RIT directory, uh, kin at rit.edu, or I mean I'm very active on Twitter. That's where you and I found each other. Yeah. Um, I'm at 
I'm at Kinsagepal, K-I-N-S-E-J-P-A-L. My DMs are always open there. So, yeah, that would be, I think, one of the, one of the best ways to get a hold of me for now. Unless Twitter changes down the road, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the jury is still out. No, wonderful. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and link your handle in the show notes and your email as well. So if folks want to just, um, if you're listening to this and you are inspired and you want to get a, some additional context, feel free to reach out to Ken directly. But thank you so much for your time. This has been this has been a joy. Um, and again, back to the meetings. I, I seriously, I taking taking notes as we're as we're chatting, and I'm gonna. I'm going to sort of change my behavior a little bit in, in my meetings for tomorrow and, and see how that pans out. But um, thanks luck. again for I mean, all um, the... <laughs> it's a work in progress. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I don't think I mastered it myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for all that you do for the community and looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for everything you're doing to provide training and education and just getting the word out on all the things people do in higher education and in enrollment and in marketing. So appreciate the opportunity today. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing, learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.